everyone, and welcome to another episode of the You're So Quiet podcast. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown, introvert extraordinaire, aka C. Brown in my writing life. It's like 9.30 at night here, and I usually don't record at night because I'm kind of a sleepy person, but why not, you know? So before we get started, as always, we need to do a quick mental health check. What I need you to do is relax your jaw, unclench all of your face muscles. I do this too, especially between my eyebrows. It gets really tight when I'm stressed. Relax your face muscles, relax your jaw, take a deep breath, and check in with yourself. And maybe you're like me and your breaths are kind of shallow because you're a little stressed. That's okay. Just check in. See how you're really doing underneath the mask and the facade and whatever that you put on for other people. You don't really need to lie to yourself. So just check in with you. I'm checking in with me and I'm realizing that I'm a little anxious. I'm not really sure why I'm why I'm anxious. I think my life is pretty pretty fine at the moment. But I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm still a little bit, you know, kind of depressed. I'm in like a depressive episode. Not a fan personally, but I also think it's kind of important to talk about it because for me at least when I'm in an episode, I kind of tend to pull away from everybody, from my friends, from my husband, from everybody. And I just kind of retreat into my own little world, which is really like not helpful at all. The opposite of helpful actually because I am an introvert, I do really need that time alone to recharge, but I think it's important for me to be aware of what's my time to recharge and what's me kind of being reclusive. So if that's you as well, just take note of it and maybe make some adjustments in your day-to-day life. But no matter if that's you or not, no matter how you're feeling, good or bad, just be gentle with yourself you're doing great. You got this. Okay? So now that we're all relaxed, or at least aware that we're not relaxed, let's talk about what I have been consuming. So I'm kind of in like a like a book rut at the moment. Nothing's really calling to me. It's like when you're hungry, but nothing sounds good. Like your stomach is hurting because you're so hungry, but any food at all that you can think of that is suggested to you just sounds gross. So that's kind of how I feel about books at the moment. So to try to counteract that, I reread something that I know that I had liked when I was younger. I read it probably uh, 12, 13 years ago. It was the Aragon book, the first in the Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini. I really liked that book when I was younger. I think it's a really good story, personally, and I still like it today. I did find some of the dialogue to be a little stiff, but I kind of just attributed it to that's like the setting and that's how those characters talk because it was the same throughout the book. But one thing that I really didn't like, and this might resonate with like teenage boys because Aragon, the main character, is a teenage boy, presumably going through puberty. 
He rescues an elf who is, I assume, hundreds of years old, but looks quite young. Looks like she's probably 17-ish, but she's an elf in the story, probably hundreds of years old. And when Aragon rescues her, he picks her up and he, like, can't help but notice how beautiful she is and her form pressed against, like, ew. Ew. Okay, this is not the time. This is... (laughs) If you've read the book, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. But it's, like, it's such a weird place for this kind of interlude. This is not even remotely the time for this thought to be happening. And that might, again, resonate with other people, resonate with people going through the cycle of life that Aragon is currently going through. For me personally, I'm going to be 29 this year. I, I, I just didn't, just did not hit for me. And that kind of thing happened three times throughout the book. And each time it kind of like, it turned me off of the book a little bit. I'm like, okay, ew. Like, is that helping the story? Really don't care that you're interested in the elf. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't excite me in any way. Like, I'm more interested about the war happening that you're supposed to be helping in. Like, that's what's keeping me here. So, yeah, for me, it, it, it was still a good story. If you haven't read it in a long time, I still think it's worth a reread. But... I think if you're an adult now and you read it when you were younger, kind of take it with a grain of salt and realize that when you consumed it the first time, this kind of thing might not have stood out to you. So uh, it was fine, but it also didn't get me out of my book rut. But I'm still, you know, chugging along as I do because motivation and inspiration are not always going to be there, but hard work is. And I think reading is just as important to being a writer as the actual act of writing. So I did download Dune on my Kindle, but I'm not too far in yet. The story has not hooked me, and I'm hoping that it does, but we'll see. It's good enough to where I'm like, okay, I kind of want to see what happens when they leave this planet because there's kind of some hints of maybe magical or supernatural powers. They're obviously on different planets, like different cultures. This could be interesting. So I'm going to stick with it. If I get to like 15% and I'm still just not feeling it, I'm putting it down. I feel like the world is full of really good books and this one will be there when I have the energy to really put forth. I say that now, but Dune is one of those like quintessential science fiction books, and I wrote a science fiction book. So when people hear that I write science fiction, they're like, oh, have you read Dune? Have you read 1984? And until like two years ago, I had not read 1984. It was never assigned in any of my high school classes, but it was like a high school reading book, so I never read it. Just, I don't know, out of spite, I guess, because I was kind of sick of being told what to read. I did read it like two years ago. I was like not super impressed. The first half of the book, I think, was pretty good, moved at a good pace. It was very interesting concepts. And then main character dude, he just like complains for like 50 pages. 
And that was just like, oh my God, when is this going to end? So it was fine. Like, I'm glad I read it. I, I can understand all the references now, but it was fine. And I'm hoping that Dune is not like that. I read a lot of reviews and people say that it is slow in the beginning, but just stick with it. You won't regret it. So fingers crossed that this is not like one of those overhyped books that we all see everywhere. As for my TV, because you know I watch a whole ton of TV, I am watching Nailed It on Netflix. Season six is out, if you did not know. I have only one episode left, and I'm saving it for when I really need a pick-me-up. That show always makes me laugh. It's basically a competition baking show, but with no expectation that the bakers are going to successfully create what they're supposed to create. So it's more of like a cake design show than a baking show, but they do taste the food for better or worse. And I think it's hilarious. Nicole Byers is the host. Jacques Torres is there as well. And he seems like such a sweet human. And they always have a guest host, which is fun too. So I recommend that one if you need just something wholesome to just pick you up out of out of a sad day or whatever. I did start Shadow and Bone on Netflix. I only watched the first episode, but I love Lee Bardugo. She wrote The Ninth House, which I read sometime last year. It's like Harry Potter vibes, but much darker and college age. So that one was really good. So Shadow and Bone, I'm I'm very excited for the series. I have not read the book series. And being that I'm in... <laughs> the rut that I'm in, maybe this series will kind of like inspire me to read something new. So we'll see. I don't know if I can recommend that yet, but the first episode was very compelling. On Apple TV Plus, I am still watching C and Ted Lasso. I watch those every Friday. Ted Lasso is wholesome. The last couple episodes have been a little weird. They've been focusing on other characters besides Ted, which I think is interesting, but I also like to be quite honest, I watch it for Ted because he is so pure and I just kind of need that in my life just generally. So that's been a little weird. And if it was like the first episode I'd ever watched of Ted Lasso, I don't know if I would continue watching the show, put it that way. But overall... The season is coming along nicely. I'm interested to see how these little subplots wrap up. C is still very interesting. Again, the second season is far better than the first season, in my opinion. It's far more action-packed, and we get to see Baba Voss a lot more. He's awesome. He is such a badass character. Love it. Love him. Awesomeness. I also started The Morning Show, again, season two, and it's, I don't know what to think about it yet. I don't know. To be perfectly honest, the first season kind of dragged a little bit in the beginning, and then at the end, it really picked up, and it's basically about, like, the Me Too movement, but in the set of a news morning show called The Morning Show, right? And this guy is accused of sexual harassment and improper sexual conduct 
with somebody else. And there's just like a lot of drama surrounding that and how his actions have affected a bunch of other people around him and even people that he did not come into contact with. So I'm interested to see how they carry this series forward. I'm not really sure what the main conflict is going to be yet, but it has Jennifer Aniston in it. She is still absolutely beautiful at 50-something to be expected. So I'm going to stick around and see what happens. I'm also watching Too Hot to Handle, Latino, and Brazil. The Brazilian season I finished yesterday. I watched it in like three days. A little bit of shame. A little shame in how much I binged that thing, but it was really good. I really liked the the series. It is dubbed. You don't have to read subtitles. I personally prefer dubbing over subtitles because reading the words is really distracting to me because I can't look anywhere else on the screen but at the words because I want to know what they're going to say. And if I am only looking at the words, I'm missing like the whole rest of the screen. So I'm really glad that they ended up dubbing it because if it was subtitled, I don't think I would be watching it, sad to say. Maybe that makes me uncultured. I don't know, but that's just my personal preference. We started the Latino one and it's like, okay. So far, the Brazilian season was a lot better in my opinion, but I think that it has room to grow, so I'll probably keep watching it, but at this very moment, I'm just like, eh, on that one, so maybe it'll be a miss. I don't know. We'll see. And finally, (laughs) on my TV watching is The D'Amelio Show. It is on Hulu, and it follows Charlie D'Amelio and her family. Charlie D'Amelio is a TikTok star, and she has 125 million followers on there. I thought the show was really interesting and gave some crazy insight into what it's like to be a social media influencer, uh, especially one with such a huge following. And it's good stuff. Like, it's improved her life. It's allowed her to move to LA to have more dance opportunities. It's allowed her sister to kind of launch her career in music. But it also does come with the negative aspects of social media. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Social media is something that is all around us near constantly. And it can be a great tool for like connecting with people or even for information sometimes. I say sometimes, take it with a grain of salt. But it can also be a really damaging place from a mental health standpoint. So that's what we're going to get into today, right after this. Okay, so let's just jump right in. Let's talk about what I mean when I say social media. So social media includes things like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, WhatsApp, any way that you can use to connect with people, and TikTok, of course, because we're going to be talking a little bit about Charlie D'Amelio and her experience as well, because I did watch that show 90% for research, 10% because I was morbidly curious, so... 
what I really wanted to know is why the heck do we use this so much? Over 80% of people in the U.S. have a social media account. That's a lot of people. That is millions of people. You can find almost anybody on social media and find out a lot about their life in a very short amount of time. Am I saying that I have done this? I'm not saying it, but you can read between the lines. That's fine. But why do we do this? As people, why are we compelled to put like private stuff about our lives online for strangers to see? And granted, some people have, for example, their tweets protected on Twitter, which means no one that they have not approved to follow them can see it. But some people, like myself, I have my Twitter completely open, right? My DMs are open, my tweets are all visible, same with my Instagram, my Facebook I think is more private, but even myself, I have all this crap out there for just anyone to see. So why do we do this? I I personally look at it as a way to connect with people and to share what I'm doing, share things that I've seen that I think are cool or that I think are interesting or that other people would like. I use social media as a way to kind of spread awareness of different mental health things because that's something that I personally struggle with. I use it as a way to share activism information, for example, about abortion rights or Black Lives Matter or any of the activism causes that I'm interested in. And people will interact with me or not, and it can be positive and negative. There is a company called GWI, Global Web Index, and they did a survey and found the top 10 reasons that people use social media. Number one is to stay in touch. People use it to stay up to date with news and current events. They use it because they're bored. They use it to network, like on LinkedIn. They use it to share opinions, which we've all seen everywhere. Everyone has an opinion about everything. They use it to share photos. But interestingly, most people use it to consume content rather than to post it, right? So they look at it to see what everyone else is doing, what everyone else thinks is cool, what trip Julia went on, what clothes Carl bought and is wearing, just kind of to see what everyone else is up to. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because it doesn't really drive connection. It almost kind of creates a divide. So especially in the time of the pandemic, we're all quarantined or, or social distancing, self-isolating, whatever you want to call it. We're distanced from people maybe that we're normally close to. So social media became very important to a lot of people for that connection. But if I'm using it to like check up on other people, for example, during 2020, I might see that my friends are going on road trips. I might see that people are making bread from scratch. I might see that people are picking up all these new hobbies. They've started a garden, whatever the case may be. And maybe they're doing all these things and they're being hyper productive at work 
when work from home starts, but I'm not doing those things. Maybe I was laid off from my job or maybe being cooped up in my house for so long has made me very depressed. So I'm obviously not doing those things. So it already creates a divide because a lot of people don't remember, and I struggle to remember this as well, that whatever people post on social media is not a full look at what their life is like. It is not a comprehensive view of everything that they're going through, everything that they're thinking, everything that they're consuming. It's a highlight reel. Most people are not posting their worst moments on social media, right? And people might share like that they're upset. They might post a picture of them crying on Instagram, like whatever the case may be. But, and this is maybe this is just my perception and my opinion, but I feel like true pain is very quiet. It's not something that we scream to others unless those people are very close to us. And a good portion of the people on the internet are not very close to us personally. So I'll give you an example. Back in July, one of my best friends died, right? I talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but not too much. I posted about it maybe twice on social media. I posted his image with his birth year and his death year. And I think I posted one other thing, maybe on Facebook. And um, that's obviously not the full scope of my feelings. I think about this dude all the time. There is not a day that passes that I don't think of him. I had a group chat with him and my husband, myself, and we would text every day, sometimes throughout the day, or we would just send each other memes or TikToks or whatever, like things that we thought each other would find funny. And it was just, it was a really nice part of my day. So after he passed, like that was gone. And I still feel that void. But I also don't really feel the need or the desire to post it on my social media for people to comment on. Because for me, that feels more like something for other people than for myself. And this is, of course, my own experience and my own opinion. You might be someone who grieves publicly, and that's fine. Like maybe that connection with people really helps you feel better. But to me, sharing that like bruised, injured part of myself on social media, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, that doesn't excite me and that doesn't feel like something I want to give to somebody else. Because in essence, when you are sharing something on social media, you are giving this like little piece of yourself to the internet, to the people of the internet, and letting them judge it. And I, I frankly don't want to do that, especially with this. He, he was very important to me. So I, I don't really want to, um, yeah, I don't want to put that on social. And ironically, I'm talking about it here, but this feels different, right? Because 
I'm sharing my experience. And even this is only a very small part of like the depth of my emotion. But I'm, I'm sharing this because I feel like there are other people out there like me who see people posting about someone's passing like near constantly on social media. I'm not saying that like there's any one person that I'm thinking of or anything like that, but I think that people grieve in different ways. And I've seen various people posting on social media about his death. And I know that there are people like me who look at that and are just like, like, I don't want to do that. That's fine, right? You can do whatever it is that you need to do to make yourself feel better. And maybe eventually you'll want to start sharing these things. And maybe you'll only share with a few close friends. Maybe you'll call a close friend and talk to them about it. Or call your mom or your grandmother or whatever and just talk to them. And that's also okay. Because I feel like social media has kind of created this expectation that if anything good or bad happens to you, you must post about it. Because if you didn't post about it, it didn't happen. I I don't buy into that. For me, posting all the good and bad, not my thing. But some people do. And in some cases, that can provide a lot of validation. Maybe you post a selfie or a picture of your new car or of your new house or of a trip you went on. And people are commenting and liking and saying how beautiful you look and how awesome your trip looks and how they're so jealous of you. And that can provide some validation. Conversely, it might actually do the opposite and it might make you feel really bad. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of like high school or middle school maybe. Maybe middle school is more accurate because high school... In, in my experience, people didn't really care, like, what you wore or whatever. But in middle school, if you wore, like, certain shoes or certain clothes, people would make fun of you. And they would make fun of you to your face relentlessly every time they saw you at school. And social media is kind of like that, right? If people decide that they don't like something that you post or what you look like, or whatever, they'll let you know. And it's even more vicious, I feel, because people can hide behind their screens. At least in middle school, when I was being bullied, I was being bullied to my face. Like, I knew exactly who was saying this stuff about me, because she was letting me know. But on social media, even if it's someone that you know personally, I feel like people feel empowered to say like the most nasty stuff about you and to you and comment on your posts. I remember, oh man, I think it was 2016. So five years ago, I've kind of always struggled with my body image. It's just something that, you know, I'm a woman and we'll get into this as well. But I've always struggled with my body image and I posted like a full length body picture of me on my Facebook probably. It was probably Facebook. It was definitely Facebook. And a woman that I know commented and said, oh my God, why would you post this? And 
it was ironic because like the caption was something like love yourself, even your flaws or some like corny stuff like that. I'm corny, whatever. And I just thought it was really mean that I'm like trying to find things to love about myself, even my flaws, even like things that I don't personally like, like the things I don't personally like about myself are perfectly normal things. But this woman took it upon herself to let me know that my photo was ugly. Why would I post that? And like, just to be clear, I was fully clothed. I was not in anything revealing. Just like a perfectly normal picture. And she felt the need to comment this. And I still remember this to this day. And I actually have not spoken to that person since. And to be honest, I think I actually removed her from like my friends or whatever on Facebook because that's, that's not my jam. Like I don't, I don't like to surround myself with people who are like that. Like that kind of negative energy is not, it's not for me. So see ya. But I still remember that. And that's not even that bad, right? Like she didn't say, oh my God, you're hideous. Okay, she didn't go out of her way to like bully me or tell me to kill myself or whatever. And that does happen. I don't know if you remember this movie, but there was a movie called Cyberbully. I think, oh man, I think it's either on Netflix now or Amazon Prime because I saw it the other day somewhere. And it's about this girl who is cyberbullied to the point that she does not want to be alive anymore. And that's a horrible thing. And these people who are bullying her, it's like they don't even understand the the truth and the reality and the poignancy of their actions. And they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Right? And there is a happy ending, just in case you were curious. I seem to remember like a Disney-style ending. But... This poor girl became so insecure in herself, so depressed, so anxious, didn't want to go to school anymore. And that's not an uncommon thing in this age of social media. Because you're putting like pieces of your life out there and letting people see it. And people are entitled to their opinions, okay? But I think it's pretty terrible that you choose to use your words and your energy and your opinions that you're entitled to to bring someone else down. Which brings us to Photoshop and Facetune. I think a lot of people use this. I know that I have used it in the past. Maybe I had like a blemish or like a wrinkle of skin or a cellulite or whatever and I wanted to smooth it out, make it make myself look smaller, whatever. I know that I've used it. I'm sure those pictures are still somewhere. But someone very famous was actually called out for it and she owned up to it. So if you listen to the Call Her Daddy podcast, the host is Alex Cooper and she was called out for photoshopping a photo. The story goes and she actually has this in her latest episode that was just posted the 21st or 22nd of September. And she says that she was in Vegas for her birthday. Her and her friends are taking pictures. They had had 
like pasta and drinks and whatever. And if you're a person, if you've had a ton of pasta, like you know the food baby, that will happen, right? You will, your stomach will be round, okay? So she looks at the pictures when they're leaving the restaurant and she's like, oh, I don't really like how my body looks. Let me, let me edit the photo. So she does and she edits it well enough, posts it to her Instagram. Her friend that's with her posts the original photo and she's called out for photoshopping. And it's not like, Alex, why did you photoshop your photo? It's more like, I can't believe you photoshopped your photo. Tons of nasty words. You should end your life. And that to me is just like, oh my goodness. I can't believe that you would tell somebody to end their life because they photoshopped a photo. Now, to be clear, I, while I have done, I have absolutely photoshopped my photos in cases, absolutely. I think that it's important that we look at why we do that. Okay, so we're going to get into the insecurity side of social media. Social media presents to you these people with perfect bodies, perfect faces, perfect lives, and frankly, no one is actually like that. The photos are posed and or edited. The faces are edited or they have fillers or Botox or whatever, microblading. And I mean, the list goes on. So, and I'm not saying that there aren't like some truly drop-dead gorgeous people on social media because absolutely there are. But because we have access to all of this kind of technology to alter the way that you look, it's important to remember that that person that you're saving their photo for like motivation or whatever, that person might not actually look like that. And in the last, I would say the last couple of years, I've noticed this a lot more often. And maybe it just pops up on my, my page, maybe not yours, but they're definitely out there. There are people who are like, I don't actually look like that. This is a posed photo. Let me show you what my body actually looks like. And they'll show their stomach wrinkles, like the little rolls that you have when you sit down, or their cellulite, or maybe a photo that's not posed and not flattering. Like, not everyone looks like that. And not everyone looks like that all the time, even if they just generally do look amazing normally. And if you are one of those people, I am very happy for you. I'm very jealous of you, but I'm very happy for you. But a lot of people don't look like that. So that does feed a lot of insecurity because for me and certainly other women and girls and men and boys as well and non-binary people, everything... You see somebody on the internet and you see all the compliments they're getting or maybe the person you're interested in is always liking these kinds of photos and you're like, I don't even look like that, like not even close. But this person is a tall, blonde, Amazon of a person, drop dead gorgeous, blue eyes and, I'm, and clear skin. I don't have clear skin. I have very textured skin. I have sun damage. I have blemishes. I have pores, I have the wrinkles, you name it, I have it on my face. So if you're looking at this thing, like, oh, my partner likes 
these kinds of photos and they are liking my my photos too but he also likes these photos so i don't look anything like that so is he actually attracted to me and that can feed a lot of body insecurity and just insecurity in general and it really leads to unrealistic expectations i don't really look like my instagram and what i mean by that is not that I've edited all my photos because I haven't. I have not edited all my photos. Matter of fact, I have not edited a photo since I wanna say, man, it's been a couple years. It's been a while. And when I say edited a photo, I mean use an app like Facetune or something like that to make your face look a certain way. I'm not including filters. I absolutely use filters. But I don't, I don't look like that every day. I mean, right now, at this very moment, I am sitting with horrible posture. I'm wearing athletic shorts. I'm wearing an athletic tank top. My hair is probably in need of a wash, let's be honest. I have dark circles. My hair is all messy in a bun. I don't look like the photos I post on Instagram. Are you kidding me? P- pictures I post on Instagram, typically are when I've done my makeup, I've actually washed my hair, I'm not wearing athletic clothes. So I think we we get this idea that people just look like that all the time. So then we expect ourselves to look like that all the time, and that's just not realistic at all. So as we move forward... I I heard on Call Her Daddy that Alex Cooper has turned off the likes number and the comments on her photos and is just posting for herself now. I think that's kind of a nice thing. I think that's kind of nice. Because if you are just posting for yourself because you want to just share like, hey, I really like this picture. Hey, I really had fun here. And you're not really looking for commentary. That's great. That's a great option for you. But as a consumer of social media, because most of us are just consumers or primarily consumers and not really posters, remember that people post their highlight reel. People post the cool things that happen to them, the things that they think that other people would like. That's not a full scope of what their life is like, and therefore it should not be what you compare your life to. If somebody is posting about their amazing job opportunities or the places that they're getting to travel or things that they have that you don't have, then you kind of feel that little little tingle of jealousy. Try to change your perspective. Think more about what you do have versus what you don't. I think social media is really good at creating this scarcity kind of mindset and thinking, oh, I need that thing. I need that too. I need to be doing just as good as they are. I need to be doing these other things to be considered good or good enough. 
That's not true. Focus on what you do have. Maybe you're not financially where you want to be, but maybe you're on the right track. And maybe you have a five-year plan for where you want to be and you have steps that you can take to reach that goal in five years. And also, I think it's important to, to take stock of what you actually want. Do you actually want the big house and the stuff and the, the trips and whatever? Or is that what you think you should want? Something that my husband and I kind of decided or talked about probably a year ago at this point is deciding what success looks like to you. And at the time, we could not answer that question. Had no idea. I know now. I know where I want to be in five years. And I know that in five years... If I am there, I will consider myself successful. So what does that look like for you? Does that look like the things you see on Instagram? Does that look like exercising? Does that look like, I don't know, buying the car that you see? Like, what do you actually want? Truly, ask yourself right now, what does success look like to you? In five years... What will make you actually happy and make you feel like, okay, I'm successful. I have, I'm, I've made it. And maybe it's not in five years. Maybe it's a stretch goal, like 10 years, 20 years. But I think it's important to analyze what is actually going to make you happy. Because from my perspective, chasing this social media thing getting the house and the cars and making sure you have the perfect body, quote unquote, getting all the popular plastic surgery to make yourself look a certain way. I feel like chasing all of that might not really lead to happiness if that's not what you really want. And the thing about social media is that it's not like if you reach this particular time or this particular moment, you're successful, right? Because you might think that if I have millions of followers on social media, I've made it. I'm happy. But social media is a crazy place. To call back to Charlie D'Amelio, she has 125 million people following her on TikTok. She was able to make it her job. But is that happiness? Right? Because I was watching her show and I was thinking to myself, like, this is not a person who's, like, happy, grateful, for sure. She's so grateful that she can do this for her work and she can continue to try to dance and to create a clothing line with her sister and to help her sister reach her dreams. But even during filming, she had to take a week off. I don't know. I I just think it's important to ask yourself what success for you truly looks like. Because chasing this social media standard of what we should like, that's a dead end road. It sounds kind of crazy, but 
even though we look to social media as a way to connect with other people. Us being on social media, even though it's like free for us, it's not, it's not just that way to connect with people. These social media platforms are collecting our data, right? So things that we like, people we follow, things we don't like, what we search for, what we save, our demographic information, all of that is collected and sold to companies to sell you stuff. It's all consumer-based and it creates this kind of scarcity mindset that you need more stuff. And maybe things make you happy in the short term and maybe like things are what is going to make you happy and like buying stuff makes you happy and that's great. But for me, success and happiness does not lie in curating a life for social media. It's important to define success and happiness for yourself and also identify why you want that thing. Why is that what success looks like? Why is that what happiness looks like? Is that because somebody else told me I should look this way? So I'm going to look that way and if I if I make it there, if I make it to my goal weight or whatever, or goal body type, then I'm successful. Is that actually making you happy? Like long-term happiness? Are you enjoying living your life? Maybe you are. I know people love to work out. They love to eat healthy, love to fuel their body, and that's fantastic. Right? I'm actually kind of jealous of that. I wish that I liked those things. But I think it's also interesting that I say that. Why do I wish I liked those things? Is it because I feel like people look more successful when they like those things? That they're more appealing on social media if they like those things? If, if their body shows that they work hard? I don't know, man, this is, this is a tough one, right? Because our whole existence, it feels like, is tied up in this social media aspect of our lives. And it's such a small thing, but it does influence the whole. So all of that to say, I think social media can be an amazing tool to connect with people, to get information, to share information, to just have your voice be heard in a sea of billions of people. But I think it can also be dangerous and kind of toxic. And it's important for us to realize what is real life and what is just social media. On that note, we are about at the end of our time together. But before we go, I need to tell you something. So, of course, October is coming up. If you don't know this about me, I am a huge spooky season fan. I am still waiting for my email from Home Depot to tell me that my 12-foot skeleton is in stock so I can order it. I am that person, okay? Do I need a 12-foot skeleton? Yes, absolutely I do. Okay, 
I need it for me. I need it to put in my yard and arrange him in different poses and stuff. I think it'll be awesome. Okay. I love spooky season. So that to say that my October episodes, both of them will be spooky themed. Okay. My first episode is going to be haunted places and haunted objects. Okay. My second episode of October, right before Halloween, will be paranormal experiences. So if you have had an experience or you know someone who's had an experience, maybe you've seen a ghost, maybe you have like a friend of a friend who was possessed or whatever, I don't know. I don't know your stories, but I want to hear them. I need to hear them in my soul, okay? I need this. So if you have a spooky season paranormal type story that you want shared on the podcast, go ahead and DM it to me at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E so quiet pod on Twitter or Instagram, whichever works better for you. And I will share it in my episode right before Halloween. In the meantime, follow the podcast on the aforementioned Twitter and Instagram handle. You can also follow me personally at Wright C. Brown, W-R-I-T-E-C Brown on Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow my blog and website at cbrownauthor.com. I have book reviews, blog posts, essays, short stories, poems, like you name it. I probably have it up there. It's a good read if I do say so myself. And one last thing, of course, you're probably sick of me saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it because I'm, you know, I'm that person as we know. Go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you would like to. It would really help me out. And I am, of course, your favorite introvert on the planet. Right? Right. Okay. So I will see you guys in October for the first of my spooky series. Until next time. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.